0: Perseverance of the saint or perseverance of the saints. I don't know if you've heard that before, uh, but that kind of sums up this this um, doctrine of tulip or doctrine of Calvinism. You might hear it described other places. I, I'm sorry, I wish the, the slideshow was working. I got a bad cable or something. I'll get it fixed before next week, but... Um, you might hear it described a couple different ways. You might hear it described as eternal security of the believer. Or you might hear it described as once saved, always saved. Anybody heard those terms before? We've used those terms. I've used those terms. I believe, I'll, I'll stand behind a pulpit right now and tell you, I believe in eternal security of the believer. I believe that once you are saved, you are always saved. But they're going to define it very differently. They're going to they're say something totally different than what I would say when I mean it, Okay? You might also hear, uh, uh, because they don't like that term perseverance. It brings up too many other things. So they'll say it's preservation of the saint. Saints who are kept by God or you're kept by grace. So you might hear different terms, but that's what we're going to talk about for as much time as we got. I'll probably just kind of define it and use some scriptures that they'll use and show you where they're coming from and then we'll we'll explain it next week. Uh, But we're going to talk about that they will call it the crown of glory on what on the doctrines of grace like this is the best part of it all and it takes all of this previous stuff that we talked about how we are unable to believe but yet god saves us he has chosen us he saves us and draws us and it's not based on any merit but by his choice and he does all the work it takes all of that and it makes a summary statement because of that It says if all this is true, then this is what's going to happen. The saints will be preserved. The saints will persevere. That's basically what what this is going to Because God has done all of this, here's what's going to happen. Now let me just make one statement first. Almost every evangelical Christian group, I don't care whether they're very liberal in their theology, or I don't care whether they're very conservative, Just about every Christian group that you run into is going to hold to what is called one-point Calvinism. You've heard of a five-point Calvinist or a three- or four-point Calvinist? Most of Christianity out there today, I would feel safe to say, is a one-point Calvinist, and it's this one. This one and it's pervasive even in baptist circles people hold to this idea of perseverance of the saint or perseverance of the saints do you know what a does anybody know what the phrase is that you hear that kind of gives an indicator of it ever heard well if someone is really saved or truly saved you ever heard that said Maybe in conversations or on the radio or something. If someone is truly saved, then blah 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 blah. That should kind of catch your attention. If you're really saved, if you were truly saved, which means, therefore, you can think you're saved and you're not. And there's some criteria that go in that. And this is this is everywhere, everywhere. So <coughs> we need to understand just kind of the effect that this has had uh, on on. Christianity as a whole. Uh, Yes and no. Yes. In some cases, cases, yes. I'll try to explain that as we go on. Let let me give a little bit of a definition so we kind of get all on the same page. Let me give you a couple quotes like I've been doing from their writings. And listen... I'm not saying they like they're aliens or they're weirdos or um, like a different. There's some people I think that are serving God with all their heart. I think they're born again. There's even been Calvinism in Baptist churches who we would call brethren. Okay, I just disagree with the doctrine. I I I don't like it at all because of some of the things it says. So, uh, but I'm not I'm not trying to paint a picture of a straw man and be mean or characterize. Just want to let you know what's out there, okay? So some of their own writings. You ever heard of the Westminster Confession of Faith? That's a pretty big one that's out there. It's like a doctrinal statement. Here's a quote from that. They whom God hath accepted in His beloved, those who are saved, effectually called and sanctified by His Spirit, listen now, can neither totally nor finally fall away from grace. They can't totally fall And they can't finally fall from grace. But shall certainly persevere to the end and be eternally saved. R.C. Sproul says this, God sovereignly decrees that none of His elect will perish. As a result, the goal of election is assured. He chose those who would be saved. That goal is assured. Everybody who He chose is going to be saved. All of the elect come to repentance. All of the elect come to faith. All of the elect are saved. None of the elect perish. Wayne Grudem says this. Perseverance of the saint means that all those who are truly born again will be kept by God's power and will persevere as Christians until the end of their lives. And that only those who persevere until the end have been truly born again. So you kind of get where he's going? You get get where this is leading to? If you are truly saved, you're never going to fall away. You're always going to be faithful. And if you do fall away, if you do screw up really bad, you were never saved. That's what this kind of at the bare bottom is teaching. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15. John Piper says this, There are many warnings in Scripture that those who do not hold fast to Christ can be lost in the end. There is a fight of faith to be fought. The elect will fight that fight, and by God's grace they will win it. So he says this in connection with these verses we're going to see. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I am, of course, reading from the King James. Some of you, most of you have new King James. Some of you might have others. I want to give you what the ESV says as well, because they base a lot of of what they say on the ESV. 1 Corinthians 15 and 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preach unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. Most of yours will probably say, uh, by which ye are being saved. The ESV says, by which you are being saved, if you hold fast. I think, I think that's pretty common among translations. I preach to you the gospel, by which you are being saved, if you hold fast. you are being saved by the gospel if you hold fast to it. If you hold fast to that doctrine which I've delivered to you, unless you have believed in vain. If you're saved, you're going to hold fast. The evidence of faith, the evidence of true saving faith, the evidence of true election and that that faith is genuine is that one holds fast to the Word. If you don't hold fast to the Word, then you were never saved. You have believed in vain. That's what they will say. Okay? I look at it and says, hold to the Gospel because it saved you. You haven't believed in vain. That's a, that's a rhetorical question that Paul asks. Unless you believed in vain, which you didn't, because it saved you, you know what it is, so hold fast to it. Keep in memory. It's delivering you. And by the way, they restrict. Let me me say this. If I was to say, what does it mean to be alive? Does that have a broad definition or very narrow? Alive means to be, I'm right here too, right? I'm born. I'm living. But isn't there a sense of Being alive while you're alive, enjoying life, living life to its fullest, right? You can be alive and kind of dead, too. Well, listen, they restrict the word salvation or deliverance down to mean just one thing. Remember, Calvinism is all about salvation from hell, period. That's it. But the Bible talks about deliverance in a broader spectrum. Yes, we are saved from hell, by the blood of Christ, by faith in Him. But someday this body's going to be saved too, right? Isn't it? Delivered, glorified. I'm going to get a new body. And the life I live right now can be saved from the power of sin, dominion over it, right? My life will be delivered. Salvation is a little bit more broader. And doesn't this Word do all the work? Whether it's the saving of my spirit from salvation or the saving of my life or the saving of my mind from despair? I think Paul's talking more about that rather than just one thing. He says, hold fast to it because you have not believed in vain. You know its power, hold fast to it. But they'll say, if you were saved by the gospel and you're holding fast to it, then that shows you're saved. If you let it go, then you've believed in vain. So if you don't cherish the word and you don't follow what the word says, then... You were never really saved. Colossians. Flip over just a couple books to your right and go to Colossians. And chapter 1 there. Colossians chapter 1. And let's look at verse 21. Colossians 1.21 And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath He reconciled. So we were enemies from God. He's reconciled us now in the body of His flesh through death. That's the cross. To present you, here's what He did it for, to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in His sight. That's what the cross does for us, right? In fact, that's the process it starts. And that's what baptism comes in. And that's where living right and being part of His church and all that comes in so we can be blameless. He says He's reconciled you and to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable beside if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard. He's reconciled you to God and you are reconciled if you continue in the faith. If you don't continue in the faith, you were not reconciled. That's what they'll say. If you continue. If you don't continue, you were never reconciled. If you're truly saved, you're never going to fall away. If you do, you were never truly saved. Let's look at a couple more scriptures and we'll be done. Jude 24. There's only one chapter. Jude, verse 24. Let me say that. Jude, right before Revelation, verse 24. says this, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless, before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. See, God is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless. And 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 says this, He shall confirm you to the end, that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of His Son in Jesus Christ our Lord. He will confirm, He will keep, He will present faultless. John Piper says this about those verses. Those whom He calls, He keeps. None is lost. He called you, it's done, you will be kept. This is what it means to have a faithful God. Foreknown, predestined, justified, glorified, it's done. There are no dropouts. There is an absolute certainty in the mind of God between being called and being kept. Turn to the book of James, if you would. They will say, um, yes, we can sin, but those, yes, we can sin, but sin will only take us away from a while, but, and we will be restored. We will come back. If somebody sins and falls away, then they were never saved. If someone comes back, it's evidence that they were saved. So, I think I'll get to that. I'm not going to try to push too far tonight, but we'll see. i got five minutes. James chapter 2, verse 17. You know this passage, right? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? You can say you believe all you want, and they'll believe. That they will say that there are a lot of professing Christians out there who say they've been saved, but if it's not backed up by works, the profession is false. Faith without works is dead. Philippians chapter one, verse six. I can quote it to you. I think most of us know it. He hath begun a work. <laughs> That's called a preacher's brain fart when that happens. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You've heard that, right? He who has begun a good work will perform it. I mean, it's not like encouraging, like, hey, he's going to keep working in you. No, 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 he's going to do it. He began it, he's going to do it, there's no questions. And if it's not performed, he was never in you to begin with. He's called you, and He will keep you faithful. So is this true, then, of all professing Christians? Do they believe this is true of all those who would call themselves a Christian? Let me read you this guy's quote. Not the most warm and fuzzy guy you're ever going to (laughs) meet. He says this, Most of those who say they believe in once saved, always saved have a woefully deficient idea for what it means for a person to be saved. For them, a person may get saved when he or she merely repeats the sinner's prayer, a prayer that, by the way, is not in the Bible. I'm quoting him in all of this. Or a person may get saved when he walks down the aisle, not in the Bible. Or when she asks Jesus into her heart, not in the Bible. Or when she gets baptized and so on. Nowhere does the Bible say that if you just believe that Jesus died for your sins, you will be saved. You must receive the Christ who died for sinners and rose again from the dead. The problem with the doctrine of once saved, always saved, as it is held by many, is that it offers a false assurance of salvation to those who have never repented of sin or received Christ. A person who has prayed the prayer, walked the aisle, or asked Jesus into his heart or has been baptized is told that they have been eternally saved and they may not They must never allow Satan to cause him to doubt his salvation. Then this poor, deceived fellow may then live the rest of his life, walking in darkness and in friendship with the world, never reading or hearing warnings of the Bible that might alert him to his lost condition. That's insane to me. That's insane, that attitude. I've known plenty of people who have asked Jesus into their heart and been saved because they placed their faith in Him when they did it. I've known people who have been saved by repeating this sinner's of prayer. It's not something we do here. I won't do that, but I've known people that have truly placed their faith in Christ by doing that. But they're going to say it right on the top. No, that doesn't work. Because those people just go on and they live their life how they want to and their works don't show it so they're never really saved. That's insane to me. The basic idea is that if God has saved you, you will remain faithful to Him. The elect are the ones who will be faithful to Him and they can never fully and finally fall from grace. Faithfulness to Christ, faithfulness to His Word, as well as a changed life is not just a result of salvation, it's the proof of it. And if a professing Christian does fall away, then they were never saved to begin with. It was a false profession. We're going to skip some of this. We'll come back to it next uh, time. So does that mean these elect never sin? What are the answer to that? They say, yeah, sure, we can sin. David did, right? They'll use David as an example. We see. He was right with God, then he fell, but he was restored, wasn't he? Did some bad things. What about Peter? We would all believe 100% Peter is a faithful man. He straight up denied Christ three times. says, no, I don't know him. With his own mouth to other people, denied Christ. That's not some little thing. It's a big thing. But he was restored, wasn't he? So they say, yeah, we can sin, but the proof is it, proof of it is in the restoration. They fell, but they returned. Their fall was not total or final. So basically the idea is if someone leaves or walks away and never comes back, they're lost Nobody could sin that bad. And let me just say this in closing, and we'll try to pick it up here next time. It's kind of been carried to an extreme in some circles. There are some who say that true born-again Christians could really never commit big sins, like adultery or murder or things like that, like things on that level. Somebody who's truly born again, they're never going to do things like that. Well, then you're going to have to say that David wasn't saved, cuz that's exactly what he did, didn't he? Committed adultery with Bathsheba and committed murder. What about Peter? I would put murder and adultery right up there with blasphemy. He says, "I do not know who I do not know the man," and he curses. You're going to have to say that Peter wasn't saved either. But there's a lot of people that say, well, if you're really saved, you're not going to act like that. In fact, if you do those things, maybe you aren't saved. That's the extreme to where it's been taken. And you're going to hear that a lot. If someone's truly saved, you're not going to mess up like that. Well, the Bible is full of people who did just that, right? They made a mess of things and they repented. Some repented, some didn't. But is that proof or not proof of their salvation? And is this salvation like everything? Or is there more that we're trying to be faithful for in the end? Am I trying to be faithful for all of my life just to stay saved and go to heaven? Or has that already been taken care of for me? Tomorrow will mark 30 years ago, March 19th, 1990. Well, was that already taken care of there And now I'm working for something else. I'm being faithful for something else that God has promised and called me to. We'll look at that next week.